Sing in exaltation, O sing, all ye bright hosts of heaven above. Glory to God, all glory in the highest, O come let us adore him Christ the Lord yea Lord we greet thee born this happy morning Jesus to thee be our Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, O come let us adore Him, O come let us adore Him, O come let us adore privilege and the opportunity of visiting those historic lands where the events of the Bible took place. And on this one particular day, I was in Tel Aviv, Israel to visit a museum that was built primarily to house and to disclose and display scrolls that had been found in the nearby caves of Qumran, close to the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea Scrolls are recognized as perhaps the greatest archaeological find of the 20th century and the largest manuscript discovery of modern times. About 900 separate scrolls were found, and these scrolls, every one of them, contained books of the Old Testament with the exception of one book, Esther. There were 19 copies of Isaiah, 25 copies of Deuteronomy, 30 copies of Psalms. And the thing that struck the visitor and me when I walked into that building was this huge circular column around which was wrapped the complete intact scroll of Isaiah. Historical and linguistic evidence, along with carbon-14 dating, established the date of those documents as 300 years before Christ. I was looking at something that was older than the oldest manuscripts that we had thus far discovered. The King James translation in 1601 was translated from manuscripts a thousand years younger. Yet there was no contamination or distortion 
or irregularities in the transmission. Here's two documents a thousand years apart, and they were identical. Some of you might wonder how long the book of Isaiah is. It's not 66 chapters long. It's 24 feet long. <laughs> An amazing thing. When Jesus chose His text for the first time at the beginning of His ministry, He asked for the scroll of Isaiah to be handed to Him. He opened the scroll to the place 61st chapter, where it was written by Isaiah 800 years before this event. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, to proclaim a release to the prisoners and the recovery of sight to the blind, to relieve the oppressed, to proclaim that this is the year of God's favor. This is the year of God's grace. And then he sat down and he said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Fulfilling scripture. Jesus could have been reading from the very scroll that I saw. Of course, we don't know that he was. But it could have been. And now the passage that Mike read a while ago takes us back 800 years before the birth of Christ and to me one of the most beautiful and thrilling prophecies in all the Bible is in the ninth chapter of Isaiah. Begins by saying the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then we drop down to where Mike began reading. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The amazing thing about that is that the child is born, but the Son is given. The Son eternally existed. Jesus' life did not begin at His birth. It did not end at His death. The child is born. He makes His entrance into the human realm. For the first time, the human longing for a visual representation of God is realized in the person of Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The infinite came down to earth in the form of an infant. The birth was biological. The conception was supernatural. There was a beginning of a new life but not the beginning of the person represented by that life. The blood of this child would not be contaminated with the blood of Adam. So he was born of a virgin. God's Spirit mixed with the blood of Mary became the cleansing agent for the sins of mankind. John the baptizer was given the honor to be the one to introduce Jesus to the world. In the most unceremonious way, 
the most profound introduction in the history of mankind was given by John when he said to two of his disciples as Jesus walked by, look, the Lamb of God. Can you believe that? That's the greatest introduction in the history of the world. In that moment, the announcement is made that an offering would come from God Himself on behalf of mankind. He was offering a sacrifice for you and for me the first time in history that man was not making a sacrifice to God, he was making one to us. We pause now to remember that event. Let's pray. Holy Father, may we comprehend the depth of Your love so that we might come to greater heights of faith and joy and love in our life. In Jesus' name. Peace, sleep in heavenly peace. Amen. All right. Preach the word. Here we go. We're about to do that. I got to tell you, Merry Christmas. As a matter of fact, I see some people I got to go hug. So everybody stand up and meet somebody. We got visitors here and tell them Merry Christmas. Ten seconds to say your last Merry Christmas and find a seat. All right, we are so, so glad you're here. It's great to have, it's great to have, to live in a place where we get so many of you that come and we get to see you during the holidays. You would be surprised today if you found out, those of you who are visiting, how many of us live here. There's not very many of us, actually a bunch of people from Gateway that live here are gone today and so you filled the place up by coming on your vacation and uh, being a part. So thank you for coming to worship. Christ with us today. We, uh, we're, many of you are traveling here, and some of us are going to be traveling away. Uh, Amy and I and Josh and Raina will be traveling to Oklahoma on Christmas Day. We're going to leave and uh, go. you got, you got to love your family a lot if you're going to Oklahoma, you know, and uh, <laughs> so we're gonna, that's what we're going to do. And so pray for our safety. And Carl, in my absence this next Sunday, Carl will be finishing up our series here that we've got called The Gift. And uh, I know one other family, I just want to mention, I have this in my notes or anything, but Mike and Dana and Jesse are going to be leaving on a long uh, journey. Uh, I, I'm not sure what to call it exactly, but they're going overseas and they're, she's, she's being homeschooled this year, and it's a field trip. And so they're going overseas for about six months. And they said that they're going to they're gonna make this their home. They're going to come back here. And so we'll miss you guys while you're gone and look forward to seeing you on Facebook, you know. All right. Well, we've got some technical difficulties today. And so the things that I had prepared 
to put up behind me on the screen. Uh, it, won't, it won't change my message. It'll all be fine. I'm going to preach the same message I was going to. You're just going to have to listen a little harder because I think it's a little easier when you can read some of these scriptures. You're going to have to really have your, uh, your, either your Bibles open and ready to turn with me or just have your ears and your minds wide open and ready and alert because we're going to read actually a lot of scripture today as, we, uh, as we're in this series called The Gift. We're doing this series called The Gift, and what we've been talking about is the Holy Spirit. We started in Acts, and we looked at what Peter said when they asked, what must we do? And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the what? Gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why we've got all these gifts on stage, and each week we've been opening a different gift, and we've been looking at that. And one of the things we've been doing is we've been also looking at what does the Holy Spirit do. And so we, this really isn't what the series is about, but we found some things in Scripture that He does just to whet your appetite a little bit. Because this, this is such a huge topic. The Holy Spirit, we could talk about this until Jesus comes back and we wouldn't be done. And so uh, just some of the things we find in the book of John, that He counsels us, He teaches us, He convicts us of sin, He guides us. We also found in Romans that He testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. Sometimes you just you have those moments in your life that you know, that you know, that you know that I am a child of God. It's God's Spirit testifying with our spirit. He also, another one that I wanted to share with you guys today that I found in Romans 8, verse 26, that He helps us in our weaknesses. What's your weakness? Is it, is it a circumstance? Is it, is it your health? Is it something physical? Maybe something relational? Is it a temptation? What, you know, is it financial? What are your weaknesses? What are the things that you struggle with? Well, you know, you know what the Bible promises us? That the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Thank God for that. He does many, many, many things, but that's not really what this series is about. This series is not about what He does. This series has been about what do we get to do with the Holy Spirit. Because, and to remind ourselves of that, what we've done is we've opened a gift each week, and so these are the three gifts. You might not be able to see all of them back here, but we've opened these three gifts, and the first one we opened the first week was a treadmill. And this was to remind us from Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25 that we get to stay in step with the Spirit. That we don't just have the Spirit move in and He just lives there, but then as He leads us, we stay in step with Him. So how you been doing? Are you staying in step with the Spirit? As He leads you and guides you and tells you to step here, how's that going for you? The second week, we looked at the book of Mark, chapter 13, and He said, you're going to be called before people and you're not going to know what to say. But don't worry, because it'll be given to you at that moment what to say. And He said, don't worry, it won't be you speaking, it'll be the Holy Spirit speaking. Which indicates that not only do we want to walk with the Spirit, but also there's going to be risks. That's why we have a backpack. Going backpacking is kind of risky. Staying in your lounger at home with Cheetos and watching Jeopardy, that's not risky. Okay, that's safe. And what we were trying to make the analogy is, we want to be people who say, when the Holy Spirit leads me to do something that's a little risky, that's out of control, and I don't know what I'm going to say, I don't know how I'm going to handle this, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get in that situation. Perfect. It's exactly where God wanted you to be. 
He's going to be with you. And then last week, we did these, uh, these headphones, and we had the chaos that was going on in the room, and then we put these headphones on and got complete silence because we're reminded from John chapter 14 that we are invited to listen to the Holy Spirit, that He will speak to us if we'll shut up long enough to listen to Him. And we talked about a lot of different ways. And I encourage you to go back and maybe listen to those lessons. They're on the internet, or you can get them here from the CDs out front. But I encourage you to listen to those lessons about the things that the Holy Spirit does and those things that we get to do with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see another one today. But I have to ask you a question before we look at the fourth one today. And that is maybe two questions. Here's the first question. Do you want the gift of the Holy Spirit? And I think the vast majority of us would say yes. There may be a few people who might say, I don't know if I do or not. I mean, it's kind of freaky and weird. And, and also, it's just, you know, he might try to get me to do something that I don't want to do. That's true. The Holy Spirit probably will try to get you to do something you don't want to do. We're going to talk about one of them today. Do you want... The gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and then, if indeed, yes, you do want the gift of the Holy Spirit, why? Why do you want the gift of the Holy Spirit? I love the story in this book I've been telling you about, Forgotten God by Francis Chan. It's where some of the inspiration and a few ideas for this series have come from. I think it's one of the best books I've ever read on the Holy Spirit. And there's a couple of copies still out in our foyer if you're interested. And they cost us $11 and we'll sell them to you for $11 just to reimburse us. So those are in the foyer. But one of the stories he tells, Francis Chan tells about their elders going to pray with a man to be healed. They went to anoint him with oil and pray for him to be healed, just as the Bible tells us to do. And while they were standing there, Francis Chan said, he's, he's a pastor to church, and he said, I just had this incredible sense to ask this question. And he said, I'd never ask anyone this before, but I just, I just did. He said, I asked the man, why do you want to be healed? He said, everybody looked at me like, what kind of dumb question? That's kind of mean, you know? Rude. What's wrong with you? What do you mean, why do you want to be healed? I mean, that's, that's easy. That's an easy answer. But Francis Chan said, I'm asking you because sometimes people want to get gifts from God because they want to use them for themselves. Do you simply want to be healed so you can live out the rest of your life for your own enjoyment? Head to the Caribbean and get a new house and get a new boat and enjoy my family. Nothing wrong with any of that stuff. God's given us lots of gifts to enjoy. Nothing wrong with that. Francis Chan was simply challenging him to say, are you just going to use this gift of healing if God gives it to you for yourself? Or are you going? is it going to be the end or will it be a means to an end? Will you use your life for something besides yourself? We have to think about that. That's an important thing for us to think about. I like the story that I heard uh, recently about a, a wealthy lawyer. And lawyers are so easy to pick on. If you're a lawyer, I just apologize in advance for this joke I'm about to tell. But uh, it's, just an, it's just an easy target. Uh, a wealthy lawyer was riding in the back of his stretch limousine, and he saw these two really pathetic men on the side of the road, and they were eating grass. And he told his limo driver to stop, and he got out, and he, when he asked the guys... He said, what in the world are you doing? Why are you eating grass? They said, well, we're just, we don't have any money. We don't have any food. We're, we're just to this point that all we have to eat is grass. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, just come to my house. And, and they said, the first guy said, well, he said, I, I've got 
a wife and three kids out here eating grass too. He said, well, bring them along. He said, that's all right. And the other guy said, I got a wife and six kids. Well, come on, I got room. And they all jumped in his stretched limo and they're you know, riding in the limo. And, and they just all said, man, we just thank you. I mean, this is so kind of you to invite us to come to your house. We, did, we just can't believe it. And the lawyer said, well, I'm, I'm really happy to, to do it. And I know you're going to love the place. The grass at my house is almost a foot tall. So. That's awful. That's horrible. You got a lawyer in your family, you should tell them that joke this Christmas for sure. Get a little family stress going, you know, that's always good. It's a silly story, but there's some truth in it in this way. Is it possible that maybe we're saying to the Holy Spirit, hey, jump on into my life. Jump on into my plan. Jump on into where I'm going and do what I want you to do when we get there. This is all about me. Hmm. Nothing wrong with the personal encouragement that we might get from the Holy Spirit as He comforts us, as He counsels us, as He teaches us, convicts us of sin, as He lets us know we're God's children, He helps us with our weaknesses, as He does those things. There's nothing wrong with getting all the personal good that comes out of that. But is that the end, or is it a means toward another end. Let's pray, and then we're going to read from 1 Peter, if you want to be open in your Bible, to 1 Peter chapter 4. Lord God, I just thank you for today. What a blessing to be together, to be here with uh, other Christians. There's many people here that I don't know, God, I've not met, but we've worshipped you together. I sense that these are my brothers and sisters who want to uh, hear from you, who want to follow you. God, we need your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you desperately. We are selfish by this human nature, this broken world that we live in. Today, God, when we leave, by the power of your Spirit, And as you, Holy Spirit, teach us, would you help us to be less selfish? We love you. We pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart might be acceptable in your sight. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, beginning in verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray above all love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins offer hospitality to one another without grumbling now just a side note really almost nothing to do with our sermon at all just wanted to let you guys know the world didn't end on 12 21 12 okay in case anybody was wondering it didn't end on that day but the writer of first peter says this we should live on 1221 like the world was going to end that day. And on 1222, and today on 1223, and tomorrow on 1224, because the time is near. The end is at hand. Whether that be the imminent death that all of us are looking and facing, our life is a mist and it's going to be that long until it's over, or whether that be that Christ split open the sky and come back to take His bride to be with Him. Either way, We should live alert, clear-minded, self-controlled, 
and loving one another. Being hospitable with our lives and our homes and the things we have to share. That's the kind of people we want to be. And now verse 10 really starts for our lesson and what we're studying today. Verse 10 of 1 Peter 4. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to what? Serve. On the count of three, everybody say it. One, two, three. To serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speak in the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength of God that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Well, our word today is to serve. And we're going to open a gift today that's going to help us remember that we want to be people who get to do this with the Holy Spirit. We get to serve. And I guess Brandon and Ivan are not here today. They've been opening our presents, but I don't see them today. So I'm going to go ahead and open this. Which, before I open this, let me just say, all those kids that left, they were going to practice for our Christmas Eve service, which is tomorrow night at 5 o'clock. Uh, it's an instrumental worship service, and it'll be from 5 to 6 o'clock. They're going to have the whole uh, Christmas story, and they're going to act it out for you, and I hope you'll be here uh, if, that's, if you're available and going to be here tomorrow night at 5 o'clock. So we'll just go ahead and open this since Ivan and uh, Brandon are gone. I think a lot of times we wish and hope that the Holy Spirit, what He's going to bring us is sort of maybe the new latest gadget or maybe a new golf club or a new set of shoes or Something like that. But he doesn't always bring things that are our favorite. So he just brings an old towel. An old towel. This is going to be our gift so that we can remember what we get to do with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice this towel. It's, it's a used towel. It's a work towel. It's got some stains on it. It's got some holes in it. It's ready to go and serve and use, be used in whatever capacity it needs to be used. It's not like some of those towels that I see at some of your houses. When I go to your house and I ask, where's the restroom? And I go down the hall and I go to the restroom and then I go and I wash my hands and I get them all nice and wet and get them cleaned off. And then I turn around and I look and what I find is, well, it's a towel that's just for what? Just for looks, that's what it's there for. I mean, I look at it and I think, I can't wipe my hands on that. That's nicer than anything I own. You know, I, I just, it's nicer than my shirt. I'm from Oklahoma too, so it's all right, you know, just kind of. But I think there are some people who the Holy Spirit is just for looks. You can take that to mean whatever you want to make it mean. But they're not really engaging. They're not really picking up the towel. They're not really going to work. They're not really serving. The Holy Spirit is there, sure. But it's just for looks. Just to be nice. Something we can talk about. Something we can admire or adore. But not something that we use. He, the Holy Spirit, gives us a get your hands dirty towel and serve others. And certainly, it shouldn't be something that we should be surprised about that he says that because if you turn in mark the book of mark chapter 10 what we find are the words of jesus in mark chapter 10 mark 10 and verse 43 
He says this, whoever has a desire to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever has a desire to be first among you, let him be servant of all. For truly the Son of Man did not come to have servants, but to be a servant and to give his life for the salvation of men. You see, we are Christians, Christians, we're followers of Jesus, and He served, and we shouldn't be surprised that that's exactly what He calls us to do, is to serve. Now, I know there actually have been abuses of this. There have been people who, they've used the Holy Spirit not to serve, but because they wanted to feel good, or because they wanted to appear spiritually superior above other people. They wanted to see miracles and things that were exciting. And I want to be crystal clear about something. I believe that God is completely capable of doing miracles. We pray for miracles here all the time. We pray for people to be healed all the time. We pray for Him to reverse whatever naturally is going on, for Him to take away cancer. We do just as Francis Chan's book talked about. Our elders here, when they're asked to, if people ask them to, they anoint people with oil and pray for healing. But when they do that, they're not looking for excitement. They're not looking to become spiritually superior above some other elders or some other church. We're not trying to do that. We're simply trying to follow God, and we're trying to do what He has called us to do for the common good. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4 is where I get this phrase, for the common good. Listen to this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. For the common good. If you have the Holy Spirit, and you want the Holy Spirit, and you want the Holy Spirit's gifts, then every part of that should be for the common good. You might say, well, I don't know about that, John. I mean, I don't know about gifts of the Spirit. Some of that's just kind of weird, and I just go to church, and I try to be a good person. And I understand some reluctance to that because there have been extremes in churches. There have been churches that believe that the Holy Spirit works, and that's what they talk about and look for and work on all the time. That's the only thing that they exist for is the movement of the Holy Spirit. And there are other churches that totally ignore the Holy Spirit. And there's probably a place that's healthy in between those two, a place that's scriptural in between those two. But that's not only for churches, that's for us as well. I don't think you get a pass on this. I don't think you get a pass where you say, oh, I don't know about the Holy Spirit thing, John. I'm just going to ignore that. That's not, really, that's not really part of the deal for me. And I'll tell you the reason that I'm saying you don't get a pass because in 1 Corinthians 12 where I just read, verse 7 says, Now to each one. If you're one, then that's you. We don't get a pass on this. 1 Peter, back in 1 Peter, the Scripture we started with, verse 10 says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. 
You see, whatever gift that we have been given, each one of us gets to participate with the Holy Spirit in serving. Well, if all of that is true, and I believe it is, or obviously I wouldn't have said it, then here's what I want to say to you. I want to ask you actually another question, and that is, what is your spiritual gift? What is your gift? There are several places in the Bible that we can look to see gifts. I'd never thought of this particular one before, but if you look in uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, what you find there is you find the fruits of the Spirit. And about a week ago or so, week and a half ago, we went to Mescalero to the care center, and Dr. Spence was the one who did the devotional for us there at the, at the uh, care center. And I love this, that he took each of these fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, and he said to these people who are in a care center and their bodies aren't working very good and they're, they're, they're worn out and many of them are lonely and they don't feel necessarily very useful. And he was saying to them, if you're still on this planet, God has a plan for you. If you're still alive, God can still use you. And you might think, well, how could God use me? I'm in this care center. I can't do anything. And he went to Galatians 5 and he said, here's some of the gifts God gives us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Nine fruits. And he said, called them gifts. And he said, these are things that God has given to us. They're not things we produce. He produces them in us. And we get to spill those out on the people around us. We get to love people. We get to ex exhibit the joy of the Lord on the people around us. We get to bring peace into people's lives and have patience with people. And on and on he went through each one. I thought it was a really beautiful idea that he brought from Galatians 5. That's one place to look for the gift that we can serve with. Also in Romans chapter 12, if you want to look in Romans 12 verses 4 through 8, I'm not going to read that, but what you find there is that here's some of the gifts that are there. Prophecy, helping, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and mercy. Maybe one of those is the gift that you've been given. That's Romans 12, and those gifts are listed there. If you have that gift, what are you using it for? Well, we're supposed to be using it to serve others, whatever the gift is. There's another place in the New Testament where gifts are listed, and that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8-11. through 11. Here's some of the gifts that are listed there. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, discernment, speaking in tongues. Maybe one of those is your gift. Now usually at this point, what we've done in churches is we've argued over those. That's what this has led to. Let's have a lesson about 1 Corinthians 12 and let's argue about which ones are still going on today and which ones aren't. And I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to talk about that today. I'm simply going to say God can give out any gift He wants to give. It's obvious that He has given this gift out for sure, and maybe He very well still gives it out today. That is not the point. That misses the point. The point is this. Whatever your gift is, or whatever you believe your gift is, how are you using it? Are you using it for your own? Oh, I love this gift. Or are you using it to serve the body for the common good? God made us all different as well. 1 Corinthians 12, a little later in verse 28, says he made some people be apostles, some prophets, teachers, workers of miracles, helping others, 
uh, administration, people who can speak in different languages. And because we, He made us different, people can get so excited, Christians get so excited about what God is doing in their life that they begin to say, everyone should do it this way. Everyone should do what I'm doing. Look how hard I'm working. Look at what I'm trying to accomplish. Look at what God is doing through me. You should be doing the same thing He's doing through me. And whatever that is, evangelism or worship or benevolence or missions or teaching the Bible, no matter what it is, something else, you can get to the point where you say, everybody needs to do this just like me. But that's not how the body works. God has given us gifts. And then He says, whatever your gift is, Stop trying to get other people to do the same thing you're doing and just get your gift and go serve. Don't worry about it. Let me worry about it. I'll worry about those people that you think aren't doing what they ought to do or have missed the boat. One more part of this at the end of 1 Peter in our scripture we've read today, and that is in verse 11. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. He says this, If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides if anyone serves he should do it with the strength that god provides if you are using well let me just say this if you're serving as a christian if you're busy as a christian if you're working hard as a christian and you're doing it out of your own strength let me tell you what's going to be the result of that the result is going to be that you're going to be exhausted The result is going to be you're going to be resentful that you're doing all of this and nobody else is. The result is going to be that you're going to feel guilty. Even though you're doing all this, you're going to feel like I'm not doing enough. That's what happens when we work out of our own strength. If you're working because you think you should do these things, if you're working because you think you ought to do these things, if you're working and working and working because you're hoping to gain God's approval, if you're working and working and working thinking that's how you're going to get to heaven, this is exactly what you and I were talking about before, Glenn. That's not the gospel. He asked me to preach the gospel of works or the gospel of grace. And I said, the, there